What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy, Green Grape, a.k.a. Rabbi Kinloose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. I'm recording this at 9 p.m. at night because I love you, and I'm trying to get ahead, just like you are. We got three questions this week. Question number one is from Agnes. She's out in Switzerland where I just was. What up, Agnes? She hates her job, and she's like, yo, I want to make money. Here's my skills. What should I do, Noah? I'm like, Agnes, don't worry. I got you, girl. Question two is from Jay Steven asking about, what do you do all day, man? How do you prioritize when you got all this stuff going on? Is this my mom asking that question? Or Don't worry, I got you too, Steven. We're going to talk about productivity and stuff. And three is from Lucas Wayne. He asked, how do you do pricing for SaaS startups? Guess what, Lucas? I love talking about that stuff. I love you guys. It's like you know what to ask me. And I guess what? I kind of know what to help you with. Let's get it on this episode. I'll jump right in. If you have a question about business, life, what to have for dinner, best tacos in the world. By the way, all of them are the best. Hit me up, okdork.com slash asknoah. I'll answer your questions. Also, go join my newsletter, okdork.com and youtube.com slash okdork. We put out really fun-ass videos. Let's dive into the show. All right, question number one is from Agnes Upmane. What a cool-ass name. They said, hola, Noah. Hola, Agnes. Since you've been to Switzerland now and seen this beautiful country where I am currently at, I was wondering if you have any business ideas that I can start over her. I'm a housekeeper in private households. I hate my job and I'm scheduled to leave in weeks. I speak fluent German, English, and Russian. That's impressive. I also have good photography skills and love to craft arts and stuff. What's the stuff part? Anyways, thank you for all the great content you put out. Agnes, thanks for listening. So this is an interesting quagmire, you might say, because it's a very broad thing. And what's the answer to it? What's your answer? So let's say you heard Agnes's, I think it's a girl, could be a guy. Either way, I'm happy who they are. You heard their stuff. You heard their pitch. Where do you go from here? So I think there's a, a few different pieces that are going on. Number one, if I have a job and I'm losing that job or I'm losing income, my first priority is always taking care of the oxygen, take care of the foundation, getting whatever basic ass job, whether you know in Switzerland, maybe it's working at the croissant place or doing Uber or whatever it is. Just getting your foundation set, because if you're worried about having to make money, I think it's really hard to be creative is what I've experienced in in my life. So I've always had a day job where I started AppSumo when I had a day job doing consulting for Speeddate. And I built my previous company, which did relatively well while I was working at Mint.com. And so I would try to keep a job first. That's just generally how I approach it. I think some people might recommend like, no, take the risk and don't, you know, just go off the plank and figure it out. I'm like, I just don't do well when I'm like sweating all day. I like having my base so that I can then feel like I have a foundation to work off of. So let's start with that. Number one. Number two, you hate your job. My goal in life and one of my dreams in life is that everyone likes their life. And I think jobs give us a lot of satisfaction, a lot of purpose, a lot of fun. And so I think what I would want to know is why do you hate being a housekeeper in private households. I have a lady named Teresa. Shout out Teresa. She is the house cleaner in this household. She seems pretty happy every time we hang out. So I'm curious what it is about the job that you actually hate. Like my mom's dream job is probably cleaning houses. Like that's what she does for fun. She's like, oh my God, Noah, let me do your laundry. I'm like, wow, okay. I can't believe you're going to do that. So I'd want to understand that a little bit more. And you've had other jobs in your career. I'd be curious to really unpack that a little bit more about what other jobs you've done that you've hated and maybe other things that you've done that you've liked. Like one of my favorite recommendations for finding what to do with your life is what are you doing for free? And so what you're doing for free is photography and arts and crafts and stuff and speaking multiple languages. And so I think there's something about what we're doing for free, what we're doing in our free time, what we're watching on YouTube, what we're consuming when no one's watching and how to explore making that into a career. So to give you an example from my life, Whether I'm making money or not, I love promoting. I just love it. I love finding something like in my last newsletter on okdork.com, I found these new Bose sleep pods for my buddy Marty. 
And I sent it out because I was so excited to tell people about it. I love it. Or if I read a good book or lately I'm into Legos. So I'm like, yo, everyone needs to be doing Legos. And I just can't help myself. And till the day I die, I'm happy to not have to create the thing, but promote the thing. And so I promote on YouTube with my own content that we make uh, with the team on AppSumo. We promote software products on OKDork. I promote things I'm finding out about business and life and marketing and startups. That's what uh, I've really gotten excited to. So I'm really just encouraging you like, how do you lean into that? All right. But now you're like, no, just give me ideas and let me go do shit. I'm like, Okay, fine. This is free, by the way. So one thing that I would do is that if you're working in private households, and I don't feel like people do this enough, is that those household people probably are rich. So I would try to figure out, is there something else you can do for them that you actually do enjoy, right? Because I'm guessing you could hire the house cleaner and just be their house manager. That's one way of doing it. Secondly, so is there something else you can do for these rich people that you do enjoy? And I think there probably is. The second alternative is that if you're working with rich people, how can you help them more? Or how can you actually talk to them about other things you can work on? Like, hey, how did you get rich? What are you working on that helped you be able to afford me? Huh? And I bet if you ask a few of their friends or ask them and different clients, you'll find out maybe one of the careers or things that they run a company, you actually want to go join. And so a lot of times what I've observed in business is that inertia is actually your friend. And inertia means you don't change shit. You're like, ah, I'm just going left. So I'm going to keep going left. Take advantage of that. And so what I mean by that is, how do you keep your job and work with what you already have versus like, I got to do something totally brand new? Nah, keep the job, work with the fams, see if there's just other areas that you can make it easy for yourself to be successful. Okay, but that's still not enough for you. I know you. You're like, no, that's not good enough. Give me more ideas. <laughs> All right, fine. So number one, can you match two things together? So if you like marketing and fitness, could you do marketing and fitness? And that, this is a general idea, but for you, Agnes, you speak a lot of different languages. This is really impressive. And you like photography and arts and crafts. Can you do Airbnb experiences where you teach people a language while doing photography or do an arts and crafts project while teaching people German? And a lot of what's really important about business, y'all, is just getting the train going, getting momentum, and that will lead to other things. So just by teaching photography in a language, just by doing arts and crafts classes for people, that will lead you to be like, well, actually, I could sell arts and crafts packets. That will lead you to think, hey, I could actually maybe create a photo website and do photos for Airbnbs, or maybe I do photos for realtors, or maybe I do photos for hotels or for restaurant dishes, whatever that is. But it's the act of getting going, even if it's free and building up confidence and momentum and potential referrals is really the thing that I would recommend for you to be thinking about with the skills and interests that you already have. And I think with other countries, two last things. I think number one, is there anything happening in other countries you've visited that you can now copy into Switzerland and vice versa? Is there something happening in Switzerland? Maybe it's chocolates, maybe it's beers, Maybe it's cars, maybe it's clothing that you can take to Germany or to Russia or to America or somewhere else you see. So that, that's one thing to consider. And the second thing is, I ultimately think about it in terms of business ideas is, what sucks most for me in my own life? So I will tell you, in Switzerland, the number one challenge that was, I struggled with was, how do I travel plan out here? It was really complicated to be like, what hotel are we going to? So I actually ended up hiring a friend, Matt from nomadicmat.com, to help me do travel planning. Now, again, I'm not saying that's a business idea that you should go copy. I think it's a decent one. But what are things throughout your day? Like, what is it you hate about your housekeeping that maybe there's other people who like housekeeping and your job is just to find the housekeepers? Or maybe you hate the things you have to have for breakfast. Or like right now for me in Austin, there is no good food delivery service. So in Barcelona, and yes, I'm giving you a lot of ideas. I'm just telling you how I'd like to think about them. Uh, I could literally go to a website. It was called bcn.com. It was so awesome. It was like 10 bucks, pretty much free delivery, really amazing food, and you could super customize it. I can't believe this is not everywhere across the universe. Also in Barcelona, maybe because the delivery costs are lower, but I literally can go on the website. I'm on the website right now. They have one called All Day Breakfasts. You can go on this. It's 10 bucks, totally customize it, and they'll bring it to you the next day. That's insane. So 
I would start thinking, all right, man, and I looked for this in Austin and I could not find anything even closely comparable. So that's kind of where my mind goes about, all right, this is a problem. This is a great solution. There's no one else doing it out here. Maybe let me copy that and make that for myself. That's a bunch of ideas. Agnes, you're probably doing better than you give yourself credit for. I'm happy you hate your job and I hope that leads you to a better place. Question two from Jay Steven. Hi, Noah. Hi, Steven. I'm a freelance designer with no employees. Sounds excellent. <laughs> I'm curious, how does the CEO of a company with over 100 teammates, is what I prefer to call them versus employees, prioritize what to work on every week? I saw your day in the life video and I'm impressed about how intentional you are with your time. Thanks, Jay Steven. One, having no employees is such a superpower. Don't overlook thinking that like, oh my God, I got to hire a bunch of people to be successful or do, it's like, nah, you're doing great just where you are as well. And you also don't have to have full-time employees. You can also hire a lot of contractors and still be very successful. I think the question is, what are you trying to create and how many people do you need to help you create that? Facebook, which I always love when they fail, has 83,000 people. What the F do they do all day? Now, I think there's a few separate questions here. One is about the people part. And then the next is about like accomplishing things part, like productivity part. So for me, I will say that my success, not even success, my enjoyment is from working with really smart, fun, cool people. And so Alona, Chad, Sean, Kevin, Nick, and just such a, an array of people at AppSumo, I find really, really enjoyable. Uh, and so to build a business of sorts, you can either use software or hire people to scale. And I, I have found it just really enjoyable. Anna, all these amazing people. And then same with different teams. So on the YouTube team, there's a team of about five of us. And then on the book, I hired someone uh, to help me on my book. Shout out Tal Raz. Now, doesn't mean you have to do it that way. I've just found it really enjoyable to find people who are excellent. And I think that's one of my, my things I enjoy. And I think I'm pretty great at it is to find amazing people and then have them work with me, not for me, work with me in different areas that they really enjoy working on. Now, that's just a question about I do enjoy it. And I also think there's other people like Tim Ferriss, who's a buddy. For many, many years, Tim has had almost no one work with him. And I think he's just really enjoyed it that way. He definitely has had a few people, but I think he prefers the, the flexibility, the nimbleness of it. I don't, I don't know his exact reasons. Uh, I haven't talked to him too much in depth about it, but there's just many ways of eating a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. And you know I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Now, the question is, how does a CEO of a company prioritize what to work on every week? Now, what I have found out is that it's really easier if you just set principles and you have three principles about what you focus on. So for me, I have three things. I focus on where we're going, what are the boundaries, and who are the players. That's it. That's it. All right, episode's over. No, but think about it. I really just have three things. Where are we going? So what's our goal? And our goal this year uh, is a certain revenue goal. What are the operating principles? So no, what's an operating principle? Great question. One of our operating principles is to make 5% net income. Another operating principle is that we always hire contractors before full-time people. And so me and the team craft principles and, and it's an evolution, but that are the boundaries. That's the rules of the game. And now my only thing is to choose the players who choose the players. So I choose just people at the leadership team. So I am responsible for making sure that each of the players, depending on where we're going and the strategy that we want to be doing is in the right seat. It is hard because it's very easy to get pulled into a bunch of different things. But I try to just stay in that lane and I don't do work really outside that lane. So that's how it goes for the CEO level. Now, another way of thinking about it, maybe for yourself and what I do within the CEO role, and sometimes CEOs sound so fancy and formal, you know, I just help facilitate leadership. There's a lot of people who are really, really impressive and I like coordinating it. And I, I get a lot of joy and satisfaction out of doing it. In terms of my top three things that I focus on, now within that, this quarter, what are my top three that can really move the needle around that stuff? So for me, I have my top three. It's the people, it's the boundaries, and it's the destination. So in terms of people, we wanted to get some advisors in marketing, in revenue, and in finance. So we're doing that. We wanted to make some changes around leadership and the team. 
And we did that. And then lastly, within one of the departments, one of the leaders, I needed to support him more in the marketing one specifically. I love marketing. And that's what I'm focusing on this quarter. And so it's really helpful to write down your top three. And really what that does is that you look at your calendar, you look at your meetings, you look at all the time you're spending. And even if you're dicking around or not dicking around, what is your top three and how much of your time is in top three versus not three? And that's really what's helped me prioritize And that as I'm doing my week, for instance, email marketing has come up as a thing within marketing, which is underneath the people. And so it's like, all right, that's really, really valuable to the company. It's 40 to 50% of our revenue. I need to step in there because that's part of the people problem there. Last week, we spent a lot of time about our goals. So I spent a lot of time on our goal stuff. So again, what I would think about for you is that if you're CEO, pick your where you're going, what the boundaries and where your destination is. And look, you can be a CEO at any size. You can be CEO of one, CEO of 100, CEO of 1,000. So what I'd recommend for you, Jay Steven, is really pick your top three for the quarter or just for the month, pick top three as an experiment and then see how much of your time is really, really focused around that. I promise you, if you just know you have a top three, you'll just be mindful of that in your week. It doesn't mean you're not gonna waste time. But then at the end of the week, really look back. And so what I do every single week, I do it with Anna on our team. It's like, well, what was my priority? And how much time did I spend on my priority? And then if I didn't, okay, how can I improve that for the following week? Don't punish yourself. Just be mindful of it and keep improving. But yeah, just to give you other context about how intentional with my time, I do dick around. Like, you know, when I come home at night, I'm, I'm playing Legos. I, I don't also have a wife or kids, so I do have more free time than I think a lot of people. But I spend, it sounds strange, but I probably spend two to three hours, which I enjoy, just looking at my calendar and being like, do I really want to have this meeting? Like one of my new things that I've been thinking about is I have cancer in three years. Knock on wood, I never have cancer and you don't too. But if I die in three years, it just made me really more intentional. Like, is this the work I really love doing? Do I really want to have this meeting? Or am I feeling just obligated? Like, oh, it's kind of cool. I don't believe in the fuck yeah thing that people say, because there's a lot of fuck yeahs that didn't work out, like relationships or not a partying. But I really am like, is this something really satisfying that I really want to be doing? And I think that'll help solve like how you're thinking about your week. And I do color coding, which you've heard me talk about it. There's an article on OK Dork people can read. But really like looking at your calendar, thinking about your time and like when you're at Sunday night, you should really have things that you're like, dude, I'm hella hyped about this week. So I'm looking at my week right now and it's like I'm playing squash in the morning tomorrow. We're going to Rufus to Soul tomorrow night. I did a bunch of, you know, YouTube videos for AppSumo. We went over some of the finance things today. I know I'm going to go for a great bike ride Saturday. I worked on my book Monday morning. So it was just like the things that matter at the highest level for me, which is AppSumo, YouTube, and then book from an accomplishment level about what I personally enjoy doing. It's like how much of my week was color coded towards that. And so again, come back to your Sunday night. Do you have stuff you're looking forward to? What's your priority? And is your calendar aligned to your priority? The last thing I'll say is, especially living in Barcelona for the summer around prioritization is two things. One, open up your morning so you don't have a bunch of shit going on. I didn't have a bunch of shit going on in Barcelona. And I noticed when I was free until noon, it really made me productive, which is, sounds backwards, is that because I didn't have a lot of obligations, I had a lot more free mental space to think about what mattered and what didn't matter. So I found that helpful. And then because I only worked in the afternoons from around three to eight, give or take, because the time zone difference, I only had five hours a day. And I'll tell you, because there's only five hours a day I'm working, it was very prioritized and it was very much like, no, 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 no. Yeah. So there's a lot of books. There's all these productivity hacks and how to type faster, all this kind of shit. I think in terms of just accomplishing things, whether you're CEO or not, is just think about where you want to go. What are the priorities to help you get there? And then being okay saying no to everything that's really not that or being like 80% saying no to those things. Question three from Lucas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's younger brother. That's Batman. Hey, Noah, I really enjoyed the podcast episode where you interviewed Sam Parr. Sam Parr, check out his show, My First Million Podcast. And Sam Parr was the founder of the Hustle Newsletter, Conferences, and Trends Magazine. Sam's also a very good friend of mine. Check his stuff out. I recently saw Sam reply in a Twitter thread that it's very, very hard to grow a SaaS business that only charges 
or $30 a month. I'm curious, what do you think is the minimum pricing people should aim for when starting B2B SaaS businesses as an indie hacker? Great question, Mr. Wayne. So how many SaaS businesses Sam built? That's right, zero. So you should definitely listen to his advice. I think that's a great call. Psych, I'm not to say that I'm an expert. Uh, We have built, I don't know, maybe a few million dollars, I think $6 million in recurring revenue, which has gone down since. But we have other MRR and SaaS-based products that have gone up. Now, this is a simple and complex question. I hate when people say stupid shit like that. You can make a lot of money doing whatever. I just think because someone said you can't doesn't mean that's true or that's a fact. Now, the reason that Sam's saying that is that the largest SaaS companies in the world generally will go mid-market to high-market because the customers churn less and they have higher budgets. Now, that's not absolutely true. So there are a lot of successful businesses. Let's pick one that you actually know of. Google. Huh? Yeah, Google. Google has Gmail for business, which is $5 per person. So that's $5 a month. So I guess that's proving Sam wrong right there. Let's do another one. Figma. Two people at AppSumo use Figma. $12 per person per month. Let's do another one. Slack. And yes, these generally are used by multiple people, but Slack, $7 per person per month. So I would say the argument of like, it has to be very, very expensive is not a great argument. There's two great arguments. Number one, who is the customer you actually want to serve? When we were running Sumo.com, I think we made a lot of mistakes because we try to serve a mid-market customer when our audience and our specialty and and what we frankly enjoy is is people who are smaller businesses. And I think when we try to serve too many people and then e-commerce and then Shopify, kind of lost our way around that. And uh, I think we eventually lost that business. It's still doing okay. I think people are still using it, but not to the extent of that opportunity that we did have. And what I would have done in retrospect, what I learned is be very clear of your, who your customer is, what their budgets are, what the value prop they get is, and really just stick around that. And the more that if we would have just stuck with that, I do believe we would have been more successful with Sumo.com. And I would have just stayed with a lower price point and not try to have price points to appeal to a larger customer. That It's a different type of customer. It's a different type of sell. Now, the second part of that is that pricing will change. And so I think the main thing about pricing evolving and changing is good knowing that it will happen. But importantly with that is that how do you align the success of what a customer is paying for? You're also benefiting because they're excited to pay for it. Now, the easiest way to to reflect on that for yourself is go look at your credit card bill and think about what subscriptions do I have that I never question? Like it doesn't even cross my mind that I can cancel it because it's just like something I would miss so badly. And for me, first one that comes to mind is Amazon Prime. I just like don't even think about it. I'm just like, how much is it? I don't know it because I don't care. But like Netflix, honestly, I don't even watch Netflix anymore. I haven't watched it in months. I think my mom's on my account. So maybe that's why I haven't canceled it. But it's definitely like something I'm like, "Ah," every month, like I see the bill, I'm like, maybe I'll cancel it this month. So the point being there is that who is the customer that's really using your service? What's the value they get? And how do you make it so that they are excited every month, whether you're charging them five, 500 or 5,000 a month uh, to be subscribing to your SaaS based business? The one last thing I would comment, especially with SaaS-based businesses, is do it manually, build the code, do whatever it is manually, instead of trying to build all this stuff and try to get a subscription. That is much, much harder and generally doesn't work. As well, if you're building any software business targeting small business owners or micropreneurs, as I call them, come to AppSumo.com and list your business at AppSumo.com slash sell. We will promote it for you. We have a million people plus a month that check out AppSumo to help grow their agencies, their freelance, their startups. They're small businesses to become sumo-sized businesses, and we will help promote you on appsumo.com slash sell. Submit it right there. If you have questions about startups, marketing, and business, uh, submit your questions at okdork.com slash asknoah. I love doing these Q&A. Let me know what you think of these kind of Q&A episodes. Hit me up anywhere online, at Noah Kagan, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. I do my best to reply to every single one of you.
Thank you, George Chu, for helping set up this episode, and Jason for doing the podcast, and Nikki for doing everything else she does at the site, and Jeremy for being awesome, and Cam, you're great, and Jason for criticizing me when we have dinner, because you make great podcasts at podcasttech.com. Have a great-tastic day.